welcome to No Comparison with your hosts, John and Sarah, a show where we pit two completely different things against each other, and our guest judge chooses a winner. Hey, Sarah, we are back with uh, episode 10. I cannot believe it. I honestly cannot believe that like standards and practices hasn't yanked us off the air or corporate hasn't decided to pull the plug. It's a miracle. I agree. I, in fact, because we're in the tail end of the season, I'm feeling a little loosey goosey. Like this one's going to be, you know, rule bending, uh, dangerous, sort of pushing the limits. Oh yeah. Kind of episode. Yeah. Like, you know, we're taking the bumpers out of the bowling alley lane and just, you know, Going Mach 5, you know, going other, Mach 5. other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, anything is going to happen. I, I think this one's going to be all over the place. Definitely always is. So that won't surprise me, at least. Well, even more so then. Whatever whatever constraints I had on myself up until this episode, those have been removed. Taking it to 11. I like it. In the spirit of that, uh, I brought on a guest, a, a friend of mine from way back when, a guy named Chad Henderson. Chad, I think, is going to help us push the limits uh, in his usual manner. So, Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm already pushing the limits. <laughs> My wacky retorts. All right. Thanks, everybody. That's been a great show. <laughs> yeah, Chad and I, we've known each other, shoot, pushing 30 years, right? At least 30 years. Yikes. <laughs> 30 years on the day <laughs> that means college was 30 years ago yeah, yeah. I guess you're right yep how about that so uh, crazy town yeah man you've in this in this particular venue you're going to be the judge which I know is a little change up from your normal profession oh. but um, we've asked you here this evening to help us decide which one of two uh, completely unrelated topics that should not be compared to each other. You know the drill. We're comparing them. We're going to go through a couple of different events. And we really appreciate you being willing to partake in this farcical, barely hanging on by a thread production. Glad to do it. I am, I am an attorney by trade. That's what you're alluding to. And I, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if I should say that out loud. I don't know if like the attorney's guild would get you if the, the secret club was saying, you, you can't mention that on a podcast, everybody, and break. And then, you know, if that was the last thing you heard on the way out of the, the last club meeting. So yeah, yeah, you're an attorney. <laughs> so that makes you perfectly suited for this. I, I wonder if you should write your own swearing in, honestly. <laughs> I like yours. I prefer it. But no, I think, I think every lawyer wants to be a judge on some mm. level. Uh, at least certainly when you're in front of a judge, you would want to switch places with them. So uh, I'm not in court a lot. I'm uh, more of a business and real estate attorney. Uh, but over the years, I have been in front of a lot of judges. And <laughs> I'm happy to be the judge, not the judged today. <laughs> Finally, right? Have you ever been in the position, I, and if you haven't, let's plan on you doing this at some point when you're just so extraordinarily um, wealthy and comfortable and set that you got nothing to lose. You go in for some real estate matter, you know, in front of a judge, it's about whatever. I don't know. It's some transaction, Oof, something super exciting like that. And you go in, but you go in with some kind of, um, you know, a courtroom drama speech that has nothing to do with the proceedings. 
you know, your honor, I demand, you know, and it's got, you know, the, the, I'm going to be bringing witnesses and this is what happened on the night of, and you know, the deceased never saw it coming. Just rolling all that out and see what the reaction, uh, the judge and whoever else is present might be. It just, can you do that sometime? Would that be worth it? <laughs> One of these days. One of these days. The day before I retire. He just walks around his house screaming, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I, I'm almost never in court anymore because of my practice shifting more to transactional stuff. However, let me tell you about my day yesterday. Okay. And I swear I'm not making this up. And I swear it was actually yesterday. This isn't like a stand-up comedian thing where like I went to the store yesterday. <laughs> yesterday morning, I was in court with my wife and our 20-year-old son, at, not as a lawyer, as a defendant. What? Oh, boy. <laughs> and didn't end up in front of the judge because we managed to settle the case ahead of time. But long story short, took the family to Maggie Valley, North Carolina on Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Uh-huh. Nice little mountain town. Um, me and my four children and my wife, our <laughs> kids are age 11 to 20. We had heard about this place because my wife used to go there as a kid. Um, it's a, it's a small amusement park. Um, it's been shut down for like 15 or 20 years. It's called mm-hmm. uh, ghost town. Ghost town. Sounds promising. <laughs> ironic because now it is literally a ghost town. It's been <laughs> shut down for 15, 20 years. It's kind of overgrown. But she had heard like there was a way to get up there. It's like a thousand feet up. You have to take a like a ski lift to get up there. Back. Big ladder. Yeah. Yeah. We were going to hike up there, but she she found out that there's a way to drive up there and get closer to where you oh, go wow. and see the place. We got there and there's, you know, huge no trespassing signs, like not the kind you buy at Ace Hardware, but you know, they, they <laughs> cite the code section, you know, that you're violating by being there. <laughs> Trespassers will be prosecuted past like three or four of those signs on our way into the place. Kept on trucking. And they're looking at me, you know, I'm the lawyer. And I'm like, eh, you know what? <laughs> who's going to care? <laughs> it's not entirely clear. I mean, what does that really mean? No trespassing. I don't feel like I'm trespassing. Oh, no. There's a road here. <laughs> there's, there's an easy way in. And um, man, but we, we got busted. It was embarrassing. <laughs> and they pressed charges? <laughs> against me and my wife and our, wow. our adult son. Um, the three kids got off, you know, they're juvenile. <laughs> oh, those jerks. Those kids always get off. <laughs> so it's like a citation, but you can't just pay a fine. You have to show up in court and defend oh yourself. So I was ready. You know, I had my arguments all kind of outlined in my head. <laughs> all three of us had decided, you know, there's, there's no sense debating the charges. I mean, we're mm-hmm. guilty as hell. <laughs> we were focused on the, the sentencing phase mm-hmm. of the trial. You know? So we were just, we were thinking of ways to mitigate, you know, the punishment. Yeah. Different arguments to kind of like, we've been punished enough. We had to take off work and school and come up here three hours <laughs> away from Atlanta. It's like rough. So, um, <laughs> that's some hard time right there. I mean, that's, woof. Haven't we suffered enough, Your Honor? <laughs> had to take off school today. I had to drive three hours. What do you want from us? <laughs> right. So, I just, I talked to the DA ahead of the hearing and yeah. said, look, you know, like, what, what, what do we do here? And she's like, which one are you? What's your last name? Which one are you? <laughs> she's like, she pulled the file 
And this, her exact words were, okay, this is what we do in these ghost town trespassing cases. <laughs> 10 hours community service. It's like they had this whole Protocol. <laughs> package already. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weekly thing. You have like a Stephen King horror novel on your hands because you could easily like have found out in court that the punishment for trespassing into ghost town was you have to work at ghost town and it's all, you know, you've got like people who've been there for a hundred years and things like that. You, you might've actually got a bestseller on your hands with this one. So it feels haunted. We got some great pictures. <laughs> it's a cool place, but. I bet it is. Yeah. Are all the rides still there? There was there's one big roller coaster and it's still there. Uh, kind of overgrown, but yeah. um, there's this whole area that's like built to look like a ghost town <laughs> that is actually now a ghost town. It's like <laughs> old Western theme, wow. you know, it looked like they literally closed down overnight. Like everything is still in place. There's still like wooden balls in the ski ball machine. I mean, it's eerie. Oh, that's wild. That's worth breaking into. <laughs> I'm interested in what the range of punishments, the sentencing phase, like what could have been. You know, like what was the worst case scenario there? The three of y'all, like what's going to happen? In our minds, it was, you know. Prison. Going to jail. <laughs> you just have to catch the next people, you know, trade. <laughs> Locked up and I think they had like a fake jail at the ghost town. That's what I was picturing. Being in a zoo. I mean, somebody busted you there, right? They have cameras or police officers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. One sentence could be, you're that guy now. Like you yeah. have to, your penance is you got to get the next group. However <laughs> long that takes, that might be tomorrow. That could take a year. I mean, you got to bring the next one in. I mean, this mm -hmm. thing's got to, how else are we going to patrol this place? Every sucker yeah. that gets busted, you now have that job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I prefer the 10 hours community service. Well, you missed a, a prime opportunity. You could have, you know, since the deal was done, you could have rolled out the entire, you know, murder plot line, defense for the wrong case, you know, and then plead like, whoops, I had my wrong speech. You know, sorry, Your Honor. <laughs> I was prepared, man. I yeah. hadn't been in court in a while. I was kind of looking forward to it. But I was kind of thinking it was going to be like my cousin Vinny. But... <laughs> you know what it was like, though? It, it was exactly, it felt like a scene from Schitt's Creek. Yes. <laughs> We're there, me and my wife, she's all dolled up, you know, full makeup and, you know, wearing this like snakeskin form-fitting dress. I've got on like my hundred dollar. You, know, you had on the same, you were matching outfits. <laughs> we're there with our adult son, you know, walking around. There's like this main street area. We're walking around complaining that there's like a, not a proper coffee shop. And, you know, like walking in an insurance office, you know, like my maps app says this is a coffee shop. <laughs> you should have used all of this in your defense, you know, about suffering so much already. <laughs> Didn't end up needing that. Thanks for sharing all that. Now you're really going to be kicked out of the lawyer club when they hear that story. So uh, sorry about that. This will. You're not recording this, are you? Oh, uh, yeah, no, absolutely not. This has all been just a warm up. <laughs> no worries. This will definitely not go on the air. <laughs> well, it's time to get down to business, so to speak. We are going to take a trip back in time with our show's time machine to hear the moment when Sarah and I each selected, or at least had selected for us by the random topic generator, our topics for tonight's episode. So please join us as we jump in the time machine and see how that went. Sarah, it's RTG time again. RTG time. My favorite time of the week. Favorite time of the week. 
And today, a little bittersweet, because this is our last regular straight-up RTG of Season 1. That's right. That's right. We've got a super-duper special top-secret surprise uh, that corporate sent us today. They said, you know, this is what you're doing for the last episode but unfortunately, it involves saying goodbye to the RTG. So for now, it's our it's, final it, meeting. It's not goodbye. It's That's right. See you soon. Or... Do you think this time she'll be nice to me because it's the last time we're meeting? Or probably um, not. I don't know. I think if I think there's always room for second chances and redemption. <laughs> sure. Of all people I know, you mm. need lots of those. Very fair play. Yes. And I think. <laughs> A soulless Google spreadsheet is is very likely to forgive and forget. May the Google spreadsheet be just and merciful. <laughs> <laughs> that should be like on our show flag when we design yeah. a we design sure. a banner for no comparison. That'll That's be right. the, that'll be like the we'll have to write it in Latin though. So yes, yes, absolutely. Put some pluribuses in there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a student of Latin. In RTG Veritas, that kind of thing. There you go. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so this will be it. This will be it, at least for, for the time being. Uh, yeah. Like you said, we got a big sort of surprise twist method of topic selection for the next episode. But for this one, mm-hmm. back to the well once again. Are you ready? Are you ready for me to click the button and see what you get? One last time. Let's do this. It's going to be awesome. You're going to get something awesome. I can feel it in my bones. Don't jinx me, John. I know this game. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I'm not being cool there. I am trying to jinx you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you get, like, paper or... Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Click the button. (laughs) Dirt. (laughs) Or, like, some obscure head of state. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Real test of my abilities. Here we go. <laughs> Rooting for an obscure head of state for Sarah in three, two, one. Oh. Jacques Cousteau. I got Jacques Cousteau. Wonderful. I could not be more pleased. That is wonderful. He's Thrilling. A, he's an obscure head of state, isn't he? <laughs> uh, he might as well be. This is wonderful. Oh, RTG, thank you so much. Thank you. I why, did that for old time's sake, I'm sure. Why are you so fired up about Jacques Cousteau? Well, if you don't know why, then I'm about to school you. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I was about to say it seems like a pretty dry topic to me. but uh, No, 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 sir. I'm going to make a splash with this one. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't even get into the puns uh, Thunderdome with you because I will always Don't lose. Don't even try. Don't even try. <laughs> I am still the student. You are the master. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what the student myself is going to get from the RTG. So. All right. Three, two, one. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I have <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Jacques Cousteau versus Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> this is what the people have been asking for. Have we have we hit anything, any two topics that are on such different cultural planes than Jacques <laughs> Cousteau and Chuck E. Cheese? It's, it's going to be a, an interesting battle for sure, but I'm looking forward to it. I mean... <laughs> Mr. Cheese's contributions to science. 
<laughs> are probably going to pale in comparison to Mr. Cousteau's. I don't know. <laughs> On the flip side, Mr. Cousteau's contributions to ball pits and extremely mm-hmm. bad pizza are going to pale in comparison uh, to Mr. Cheese. This is true. Man, I'm excited about this. <laughs> A lot more animatronic dancing in yours, as per usual. <laughs> okay, well, this is going to be great. Thank you, Sarah. Let's push offshore with these two topics. Looking <laughs> back um, with fondness for the RTG and how it has served us both well in season one. Okay, well, there we have it. Sarah, you've got Jacques Cousteau, your dream mm. topic. Yes. I know you're excited about it. I'm very excited. I got Chuck E. Cheese, a comparable historical figure, if you ask me. <laughs> and superior, also, if you ask me. Both had a lot of yeah, pop culture, social influence, so evenly matched, I'd oh, say. Oh, get ready. It's, it's coming for you. We got, I got a lot to say about that. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese coming for me is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chad, here's the drill. We are going to each give you an overview of our topic. Then we're going to engage in three different games. The games uh, change up a little bit from show to show. Uh, We'll take you through tonight's games as we get to each one. And at the end of all of that, it'll be your job to declare a winner. Does that sound like a good plan to you? I think I can do this. We believe in you. I believe in you. (laughs) All right, before we do that, we've got to swear you in. This is such an important um, decision. We take it very seriously. We want you to take it seriously too. So please repeat after me. I, Chad. I, Chad. Wait, I got to put the brakes on this. Totally screwed it up. Chad, you need to have something to swear on. I mean, you know this from your time in court. You got anything around? At random file? Somebody's picture? I'm holding John in contempt. (laughs) You always do anyway, Sarah. I do. (laughs) Uh, What I have on my desk is a mug, an H on it. That's perfect. Yeah. It's been on my desk. My whole career. Our friend Brett gave us this. Oh. He's listening right now. He's a fan of the show, I know. Brought, got it from Harvard. Oh. <laughs> I thought the H was for Henderson. Not so much. Not so much. It's like your JT wallet. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I know about that wallet. <laughs> Good callback. Okay. Chad, get out your beloved H mug and prepare to be sworn in. I, Chad. I, Chad. Swear to be an awesome judge. Swear to be an awesome judge. And pick a righteous winner. And pick a righteous winner. The end. Man, he is judge material. So we're ready to go now. Sarah, you're going to be up first to provide an overview. Excellent. Of Jacques Cousteau. I will set the timer for three minutes. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're ready, we'll proceed. Well, let's dive right in to tonight's topic. Jacques Cousteau. (laughs) Mr. Cousteau was born in 1910. He was a French naval officer, explorer, conservationist, scientist, and innovator, which is what I also want them to put on my tombstone, even though only about two of those things are true. (laughs) Uh, I'll let you decide which ones. Wait, you were born in 1910? That's right. And I'm French. Can't you tell? (laughs) (laughs) He was a researcher uh, who studied the sea and life under the water. 
one of my favorite things, uh, one of my favorite facts about Mr. Cousteau is that he co-developed the Aqualung, which is the predecessor to the uh, current scuba breathing system. So this was the first underwater breathing apparatus that really uh, didn't cause instant death. Uh, very exciting stuff. So he was the co-developer of the Aqualung. He was also a filmmaker. He won the prestigious Palme d'Or prize for his documentary about uh, the underwater world. So not only was he an incredible researcher and scientist and innovator, but he was also an entertainer and a filmmaker, bringing a lot of wonderful information to the world. He chartered the Calypso boat for several years of research, where he also performed many different dives, perfected the aqualung, did archaeological excavations, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Um, through his research, he actually correctly predicted the echolocation abilities of porpoises. So we did not actually know that dolphins had echolocation uh, capabilities before that. So that was pretty neat. He was involved with a project called Project Precontinent, in which underwater villages were built in an attempt to see how long humans could continuously live underwater. So that's just incredible. Uh, he basically invented Atlantis. That panned out. We're doing yeah. that all the time now, aren't we? Just because you don't live there doesn't mean someone isn't living there. <laughs> <laughs> he was also a regular guest on television shows and news programs. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1985. And in 1997, at the age of 87, he passed away from a heart attack in Paris uh, with a city that he loved. So Jacques Cousteau, a fascinating man, a hat-wearing man, an explorer, an innovator, a Frenchman. And that's Jacques Cousteau. Well done. You yeah. love you some Jacques Cousteau. I could just see it all over your face. Je t'aime. Je... No, wait, that's not that's not how you say it. Wait, that means I my am name. Jacques Cousteau. I was, trying to, I was trying to say I love Jacques Cousteau, but I think I said my name is Jacques I think what you meant was I love myself. I think that's what you were about to say. Je m'appelle Claude. That's all I remember from my French <laughs> class in high school. <laughs> Chad, if you can wade through all that foolishness, I told you we'd be a little bit off the rails tonight, and it's happening. It's You're doing it worse than I am, Sarah. <laughs> so, Chad, if you can get past that, what's your initial reaction to Sarah's rundown of Jacques Cousteau's illustrious life? Well, I, I share her love for Jacques Cousteau. I have fond memories growing up, watching his documentaries um, in school, mm -hmm. uh, and then we'd go on a field trip to SeaWorld because I grew up in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, wheel in that uh, AV cart with <laughs> the film projector set up. Absolutely. Watch us some Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> you can't beat it. it. It ages well. I think we could roll those out tonight, bucket of popcorn. <laughs> well, you've got fond childhood memories of that. Get ready for what I'm about to roll out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in that case, are you ready, John, for your oh, three-minute overview? I am so ready. I'm just, just chopping at the bit. Excellent. Well, I will start the timer on your mark. I'd love to share an overview about the brand, the legend of Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese started as the idea of one of the founders of Atari, a guy named Nolan Bushnell in 1977 his vision was to go to a place where you could uh, have something to eat but it was like a carnival with some animatronic characters that he was inspired by disney's country bears so that was the feel he wanted you know he he was a video game guy because his, his roots were in atari and so he wanted video games there but without the gritty grimy kind of arcade feeling that was generated by 
in his mind at least, unsupervised teenagers. So he wanted a pizza restaurant slash carnival slash arcade where minors had to be accompanied by their parents and there'd be a stage show starring Chuck E. Cheese, a rodent, and a crew of other robotic animals. So Pizza Time Theater, as it was called, was born and later combined with its copycat competitor, Showbiz Pizza. Later, the whole thing was renamed Chuck E. Cheese's. And at last count, there's 612 locations around the world in 47 states and 16 foreign countries and territories. So kind of everywhere. Its place in our culture is also everywhere. It's pervasive. It's awesome. Uh, they really focused on being a kid. So you probably remember the slogan, where a kid can be a kid, and having family time. So birthday parties especially, but other gatherings where families got together was a big deal. Now they've got a substantial social media presence. They have a YouTube channel with almost 300,000 subscribers. Some awesome content you should ask me about later. They've got 88,000 followers on Instagram. Chuck E. Cheese does. Very prolific on Twitter, too, with uh, like 25,000 tweets last I checked. Uh, Wait, is the- Chuck E. Cheese the mouse doing the tweeting or is Chuck E. Cheese the corporation doing the tweeting? It's the mouse. It's Mr. Cheese. He's doing it. Mr. Uh, Cheese. Over the years, Mr. Cheese has also rolled with the punches, most recently handling the pandemic by adding Pasquale's Pizza and Wings, which is an online order service of Chuck E. Cheese on places like DoorDash and Grubhub, made by Pasquale, the Italian chef, who's one of the other animatronic people. And in its most impactful contribution to society, we have what I call the CECU, or Chuck E. Cheese Universe. And so it might sound like I'm mocking Chuck E. Cheese at times throughout the show, but I'm simply highlighting the colorful history of this guy and his fine dining and gaming establishment. Wow. Wow. I like that it ended with you kind of saying, if it sounds like I'm insulting him, I'm definitely not. But all that matters is what our judge thinks. Your Honor, what did you think of that three-minute overview of Chuck E. Cheese? I have fond memories from childhood, (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, My most recent experiences, not so much. I'll have to be honest. Oh. Chuck E. Cheese as an adult is a little cringy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got these animatronic, you know, figures most of the time are just standing in the dark, uh-huh. like silent, creepy, always watching. Like they're going to come to life like that puppet from Goosebumps <laughs> and, and eat your face. <laughs> Sounds relaxing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little surprised to find out that they've got a, a, a takeout business now, online ordering. I didn't know that. Never occurred to me. Yeah, people associate great food with Chuck E. Cheese. So they just wanted to bring that to the folks that couldn't get into the restaurant in purpose. Uh, sorry, <laughs> couldn't get into the restaurant in person. <laughs> so that's a way for you to get the fine foods of uh, Mr. Cheese's restaurant delivered right to your doorstep. Yeah, I don't know if that's how <laughs> I would describe their food, but. Oh, come on. Again, as an adult, you know, as a, as a kid, sure. Great pizza. We all know kids are famous for their discerning palates. (laughs) Well, I feel like I I was going to ask you kind of which way you're leading, but I can tell already that I've got an uphill battle ahead of me to try to win you over. And that's exactly what I plan to do. It sounds like, uh, yeah, I've got some ground to make up with with Chuck E. Cheese versus Mr. Cousteau. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Let me say this. John Taylor is one of my favorite people. 
in the world. Go on. How many people do you know? <laughs> Don't interrupt, Sarah. <laughs> Don't interrupt. Chad was about to, Chad's an attorney. At least six. He has some very important things. Don't cut him off anymore, Sarah. Chad, please continue. Thank you. John and I go back 30 years, as we discussed at the top of the show. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I've gotten to know Sarah a little bit or, you know, from the podcast. But mm -hmm. so, you know, I feel like it's kind of a wash. Like we're back to even. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Well, thank you for that. Your honor. <laughs> probably a good moment for us to take a break and hear from a couple of our show's sponsors. We all love decaf coffee for its flavor and aroma, but have you ever felt like something was missing? Do you wish it gave you that special zip that other beverages do? Introducing Recaf, the recaffeinated decaf coffee. Recaf offers you all the benefits of decaf with an extra dose of caffeine to help you make it through the day. Our patented recaffeinating process takes decaf beans and slowly reintroduces caffeine to them, offering our customers the best of both worlds through a complicated and unnecessary scientific process. Find Recaf at your local specialty food shop, vegan grocery, or wherever high-priced products are sold. And for those looking for just a bit less of an edge, there's Recaf Half-Calf with half the reintroduced caffeine removed. Recaf today and refall in re-love with coffee. We're also brought to you by Chunky's Socks. Tired of socks that tell everyone you're too soft? Chunky's Socks are made with sustainable, recycled building supplies. You know that reclaimed material and fixtures are all the rage in remodeling. Well now with Chunky's, you can discover how old lumber, pipes, wiring, and asbestos ceiling tiles feel on your feet. Each pair pummels your feet and toughens your spirit while helping us to clean up the planet. Whether you're sporting Chunky's Totally Toxic Tube Socks, the Earth Feeler series of Ankles Only Socks, or our new line of radioactive wear, you'll have truly battle-tested feet. So tell all those marshmallows out there to step aside because you're walking tall in Chunky's. Real discomfort for real hard-ass Americans. Okay, Chad, it's now time for event number one, which we call Life Without It. The concept here is pretty simple. We're just going to talk about what the world would be like if our topic never existed. Sarah, you're going to be up first to right. share with us mm -hmm. Life Without Jacques Cousteau. All right, we're well, ready to begin. Because once I explain to you Life Without Jacques Cousteau, we can't go back. We can't pretend that this didn't happen and it's it's bleak and it's sad and I hate to do it, but no, it, it didn't happen. We did have Jacques Cousteau. Oh, wait, this is all just a dream. Well, I wrote it down. So let me share. <laughs> well, in that case, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Life without Jacques Cousteau. First off, I'll start with the obvious. Uh, as I waxed poetic about the aqualung and the overview, we wouldn't have scuba without Jacques Cousteau. And that would really be a huge loss. Uh, you think about all of the wonderful exploring, all of the wonderful vacationing and recreational time that people use scuba diving. It's really incredible. Uh, it it ex expands our scientific knowledge as people use scuba to reach greater depths. So that's uh, thing number one. Thing number two that- Pun alert, pun alert. <laughs> that I really feel uh, like is implied and doesn't need to be outlined, especially not for someone as intelligent as our judge, but I will outline it for John. Uh, nice. Because Jacques Cousteau correctly predicted the presence of echolocation in dolphins, it could be argued 
that he helps popularize the dolphin even farther with little girls. And I would like to argue that without Jacques Cousteau and the discovery of this echolocation, the movie Flipper would never have been made. And I feel like that would have been a real tragedy for children all across the world. Uh, that movie is a classic. It doesn't make any sense at all, uh, but it also popularized you know, trips to SeaWorld, as you mentioned, these nostalgic trips from your childhood. So I think that would be a huge loss to the community as a whole. We might also not have, on a more serious note, a robust environmental protection movement or ocean preservation movements, also very, very important. We would not have the International Watch Company's famous Cousteau Divers Watch, a classic. Everybody's got one of those. That would be a tragedy sartorially. Uh, that would just it would break my heart and it would leave my wrist bare. The 1957 sci-fi classic The Deep Range was inspired by Cousteau, but it would no longer exist if Mr. Cousteau did not exist. And finally, Wes Anderson's classic film, The Life Aquatic, would not feature those iconic Cousteau woolen knit caps. And I think that would be a real tragedy because as we all know, most of his movies are powered by aesthetic uh, as well as stories. So that would just really probably destroy his career and that would be a tragedy. So that, I'm sorry to tell you, is the grim reality of life without Jacques Cousteau. I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me, but... <laughs> Chad, can you imagine that uh, barren wasteland of culture and society and the environment if we didn't have Mr. Cousteau? Uh, well, I had not heard of The Deep Range, mm -hmm. 1957. Mm -hmm. um, I am uh, unfortunately familiar with Flipper, <laughs> mentioned. but you brought it back with uh, Life Aquatic with Steve's as you. Yes. Excellent film. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you, Your I'm, Honor. I'm with you. You didn't, you didn't lose me yet. Excellent, excellent. God, you're being so nice, Chad. You know, you don't have to be nice to Sarah just because I asked you to be on the show. Yeah, I don't think know. arguing with the judge is really the way to get ahead here, John. But that's just telling you know. him he doesn't have to be nice. I'm not arguing. I mean, that was some pretty obscure stuff. Aside from Flipper, I think like 11 people in the world combined have heard of the things you mentioned. Oh, now, come on. If you haven't heard of The Life Aquatic, let's take a pause. We'll come back in two hours and you let me know when you've watched it. Yeah, no, I've heard of it. I'm just saying in general, you know, the watches. I don't know. We're fine without that watch. I think you made that movie title up. I don't think that's actually a movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear how life would be without the terrifying still animatronics stuck behind curtains, shall we? Yeah, get ready. So I'm going to have to put up with this for a minute because I got a lot to say. Oh, dear. Because simply put, if we didn't have Chuck E. Cheese, we wouldn't have the universe. Ooh. By that, I mean the Chuck E. Cheese universe that I mentioned earlier, the CECU. Other universes are based on things like superpowers. The CECU is based on music and food, things that we love. The center of the CECU, of course, is Chuck E. Cheese himself. By the way, the middle initial E stands for entertainment. Chuck Entertainment Cheese or Charles Entertainment Cheese, just out of curiosity. It's Mr. Cheese to you, Sarah. Okay. You covered that already. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he started out as a rat, has an entire orphan made good by living over a pizzeria and befriending the chef backstory. Over the history of his adult life, he went through several transformations, haven't we all? Uh, he went from rude to sarcastic to friendly to now he's being playful and energetic. He's, importantly, in the universe, a member of the music group Munch's Make Believe Band. 
So while Chuck is the lead singer and does some background vocals, other members of Munch's make-believe band include Mr. Munch. Uh, He also is on lead and backing vocals, but keyboards, piano. He's some sort of a monster slash alien. And I looked this up. There's this awesome wiki called the um, Showbiz Pizza Wiki. It's fantastic. I just I can't recommend it highly enough if you've got a few hours to spare. That wiki describes Mr. Munch as personality type, slow and dim-witted. Anyway, that's Mr. Munch. You've got uh, Jasper T. Jowls, who's a dog. T stands for Tennessee. He also went through different personality transformations, but he's the guitarist. Helen Henney, one of my other favorites. She's also a singer, plays the tambourine. She's a chicken and uh, apparently started as a cabaret act in Hollywood and is praised. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> no, this is all real. you got to look it up. A cabaret act is a children's entertainment venue. <laughs> they have, okay, hold on. Sorry, they actually I'm had sorry. a cabaret show off to the side that was more aimed at adults where there was female animatronic characters that would make uh, suggestive remarks to the men in the audience and talk about their ex-husbands and stuff. That's true. So they were all chickens or female women? Female women's funny. I'm glad you said that. No, they were they were birds. <laughs> well, female chickens versus female humans, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I know. You're, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of unbelievable. That really happened. But here's the quote about <laughs> Helen Henney, the, the chicken singer who's part of Munch's make-believe band. The quote was that she has thighs that a thousand roosters would want to tenderize. Wow. I, I'm not making this up. So wow. uh, I mentioned Pasquale earlier. He's the Italian chef guy. His position in the band is drummer, and his hobbies are listed as collecting mold and being an avid fan of polka. Told you, the CECU is a uh, rich and um, storied tapestry of such content. And to give you a sense for one of the other research gems that are part of the CECU, I'm going to tell you about a little guy named Munch Jr. Munch Jr., I told you about Mr. Munch earlier, is a younger version of Mr. Munch. He's only got one tooth. He's got an orange propeller cap thing. He's believed to be one of Mr. Munch's siblings somehow. He lived in a small metal barrel on the stage between the chicken lady and Mr. Munch. And when I was doing my background research on Munch Jr., he has one of the saddest eulogies slash bios that I've read in a while. And here it goes. So get ready. Munch Jr. never had a speaking voice or ever spoke. He would only bounce up and down to the music. He was not mentioned in any show until December 2019 when he appeared only in puppet form in the song Zorpa Glorp Dorba is Coming Tonight. The eulogy goes on. In the mid-90s, most locations removed Munch Jr. due to him either being vandalized by children or not working properly. His spot on stage was boarded up and carpeted over. The last known location that still had Munch Jr. was in North Carolina before that place's closure in 2020 when it was, quote, getting fixed from when the air compressor leaked water into the characters. So that's... That's the bio of Mr. Munch Jr. Wow. In a world without the CECU, we wouldn't have this compelling, sometimes tragic uh, set of stories. We'd all miss it for sure. But you know who would miss it the most deeply? The folks at Chucky Con. No. 
it's a real thing. Chucky Khan started in 2018. There's video of this on YouTube. It's like 65 people in some sort of a meeting room or office space. I can't tell. Uh, they're all going crazy as the Mr. Munch's band comes out. The, the folks in costume doing their thing. They're playing to this packed room of 60-something people at Chucky Con. It's awesome. They're all playing. Chucky's not out there yet. There's a big buildup. When he finally comes running on the stage midway through the song they're playing, the best part is there's no new reaction from the audience. They just stay like they were. Anyway, Chucky Con also happened in 2019. Uh, then they had a virtual, don't you worry, they had a virtual Chucky Con in 2020 during the pandemic. So if you want more information, there is a Facebook page for Chucky Con. It's got like 500 followers, which is roughly 100 times as many followers as we have. And it includes updates on the past Chucky Cons, a throwback post with a picture from 2005 when Chuck E. Cheese evidently got in a fight with the Hamburglar. I know you think I'm making this all up. It's all part of the CECU. And if we didn't have Chuck E. Cheese, we wouldn't have the CECU. Life would be just that much less interesting and entertaining and wild. So I don't want a world like that. I'm sure you don't either, Chad. Case closed. We could probably stop the show now. I think I just took it over the top. Sorry, Jacques Cousteau. Wow. <laughs> That's exactly the reaction I thought I would get. Stunned silence. (laughs) My favorite part was the subtle nod to the British slang term for women, which is birds. So they made the chicken woman (laughs) a thing. Otherwise. Helen Henney. Let's some respect. Okay. Helen, excuse me. Thank you. Otherwise, I found that horrific and it will haunt my nightmares. But what? Oh, really matters is what our judge thinks uh your honor if you're still with us what did you think of that i'm still here (laughs) chad left for a while and came back right about the time i was talking about jasper jowls believe it or not chad that was the edited version i got like 10 more minutes of content on the cecu that i tried to take out so thank you you seem genuinely excited i'm a little worried about you I wouldn't say that you've made Chuck E. Cheese any less creepy for me. Uh, Pasquale collects mold. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? That's what I said. You know what else collects mold? Ball pits. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in that ball pit? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. It's collecting mold. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You invoke furries <laughs> attending conventions. Yes, you did. No, they were the performers. They were the performers. There was a crowd of people watching the show happen. It's a little different, Chad. Do you think anyone was confused and went thinking it was Chucky, like the horror movie? I don't know. Or Chucky Con? God, I hope so. <laughs> I hope some of those people thought that. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit overwhelming. I had a lot of material. That was so much. So much happening. I can't unknow that. That's in my head now. Yeah, this yeah, this was The cabaret I, show is just That's a real thing. I promise. Beyond. When did Chuck E. Cheese start? What year? I'm, like, 77. Seriously. 77. Chuck E. Cheese hashtag me too. That's like crazy. It was a different time, Sarah. <laughs> that's crazy. It was a different time. That's crazy. <laughs> well, why don't we slide back in here, Sarah? You wanna <laughs> you wanna 
<laughs> what do you want to do? Are I you okay? I drink. Are you kidding me? That was insane. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> well, Chad, thanks for Whew. listening to that admittedly lengthy description of the world of Chuck E. Cheese mm. and his followers and cohorts. Up next is going to be something hopefully a little more economical, a little more interactive, which is an event we call On the Stand. This is going to be right up your alley as an attorney. On the Stand consists of a couple questions from you, Sarah and I each about our topics, and then a couple questions from Sarah and from me to the other. So if you're ready for On the Stand, then please hit Sarah with your first question about Jacques Cousteau. I had a little bit of time to do my own research uh, prior to the podcast. I found a quote from Jacques Cousteau from 1955. Uh, He's talking about great white sharks. Okay. He describes them as, quote, an impossibly perfect piece of machinery. And he goes on to describe their superior intellect through evolution, just how they are biologically superior to any other shark species, in his opinion perhaps any other creature in the ocean, which I I hate to say it, it sounds like Jacques Cousteau may have been a little racist against blue sharks, tiger sharks, Mm -hmm. so-called hammerheads, Mm -hmm. which sounds kind of pejorative to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it to you plainly. It's a two part question. First, was Jacques Cousteau a great white supremacist? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. And, oh. and is it fair for his words to be judged according to 21st century culture and norms? This got so uh, oh. so interesting. Emergency services was called. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that in the background. Right on cue. <laughs> Sarah? Sarah, you're on the spot. What do you say to that? Well, first off, that's a great question. <laughs> Two great questions. <laughs> Two great questions there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you got to say no. <laughs> I'm thinking about this. Hold on. <laughs> you said pauses were fine. <laughs> oh, they're fine. I'm just advising you as your counsel. <laughs> You're my counsel. We are all going down with the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Your Honor, I'm going to say no. Jacques Cousteau was a man of the sea. He was a man who embraced all aqua life, all aqua culture. I would say that the discovery and initial research about the great white shark must have been very interesting, must have been very alluring. However, it was but the tip of the iceberg. When we get into all the other genus and species and variations of sharks, I'm sure Mr. Cousteau would have amended that statement to say that while the great white shark was impressive, the ocean itself is the most impressive thing and everything in it is interesting and should be equally studied. I I don't think you can take a statement from 1955 and put on it the scientific research and depth and breadth of knowledge of 2021. I think if Mr. Cousteau had lived to 2021, he would have been very impressed with the the variety 
of uh, of sharks and shark-like creatures in the ocean. So that is my final answer. All right. Any rebuttal? Uh, by me? No. Nope. I don't want to get involved in that question and answer whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay over here in the safety zone. <laughs> well, you're next. <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> That was so threatening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chad. Uh, let her rip. What do you got? All right. According to my Google research, uh, <laughs> when you type the name Jacques into Google search engine, mm -hmm. the first suggestion that pops up is Jacques Cousteau. Huh. Whereas when you type the name Chuck into the search engine, <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese is only the fourth suggestion. <laughs> and I think we would all agree that worldwide, Chuck and Jacques are comparable in terms of their popularity usage. <laughs> okay. For purposes of my question. Sorry, do you mean the names or the actual? Right. Okay, I got it. I'm willing to believe There's that. There's a lot of Jacques. <laughs> There's a lot of Chucks. Okay, mm. yep. <laughs> Let me tell you who the top three were. That beat out Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, God, yes. Right? Number one, Chuck Norris. Sure. Can't argue with that. No. Nope. That's correct. That's Number two, Chuck Berry. Oh. Okay. Sure. 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 Iconic. Mm -hmm. Number three, Chuck Connors. And then number four, <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. So my first question, you get a two-part question as well. <laughs> My first question is, do you even know who Chuck Connors was? <laughs> Slash is. And secondly, and most important, does it concern you <laughs> that Chuck E. Cheese is only fourth? And depending on what kind of search you conduct, sometimes he's fifth <laughs> behind Chuck Woolery. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Chuck Woolery. I don't know if he's a listener. <laughs> but he's a washed up game show host. And Chuck E. Cheese is coming in behind him. No offense. <laughs> you you claim that there are 300,000 YouTube followers, 88,000 on Instagram. Yep. How do you square that with the seeming unpopularity relative, you know, forget about his popularity compared to Jacques Cousteau? Yeah, the answer is straightforward to me, Chad. Chuck E. Cheese is worldwide, as you said. And of course, Chuck is a, also a popular name, but it also can be substituted uh, for other names, Charles or Charlie. And in some foreign markets where Chuck E. Cheese locations are established, it goes by Charlie Cheese. For example, in Australia, they didn't want to use Chuck because there it's got a very ready association with up Chuck and they didn't want that with the restaurant business. Huh. So in Australia, it's called Charlie Cheese. So there's a little dilution, right? Like if we could somehow search for all of that and wrap it all up into one, the Chucks, the Charlies, the Charleses, I think he rises to the top. If you're only going by Chucks, I get it. And that's, that makes sense to me. But I also think it's right that he's behind Chuck Norris and Chuck Berry. I mean, you know, I'm not comparing Chuck E. Cheese to them. I'm comparing Chuck E. Cheese to Jacques Cousteau. It's way different. So I'm not really concerned about it. I can see exactly why it happened. Hmm. 300,000 people on YouTube can't be wrong. <laughs> I don't think that stat is as impressive as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. 
Not for a worldwide <laughs> corporation, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. Chad, did we answer your first couple of questions? You answered one of my questions. Oh, okay. Hit me with your other one. Who is Chuck Connors? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Great question. I don't know who Chuck Connors is. You don't know. Nobody knows. Did you make that guy up? No. What's a Chuck Connors? He He's more popular in the search engine <laughs> than Chuck E. Cheese, and nobody knows who he is. That's why. Because that's exactly... You answered your own question. That's why he's more popular, because nobody knows who he is. So people are constantly like, who yeah, the hell is Chuck not. Connors? And they're typing that into Google. Come on, Chad. He was an actor, writer, and professional basketball and baseball player. He's one of only 13 athletes in the history of American professional sports to have played both Major League Baseball and in the National Basketball Association. Oh, Michael Jordan's the other one. And then there's other people, too. That's amazing. <laughs> he did say 13. <laughs> 13. I bet that's amazing. That's a, a large number of people, I, would, I think, when you think about the eliteness. They all played at once and on the same team. It was, it was Space Jam. That's the, that's the movie, Jam. right? <laughs> yeah. You're doing great on this one, Sarah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Now, Sarah, you get to hit me with a question about Mr. Cheese, and I get to hit you with a question about Mr. Cousteau. You want, you ready for mine? You want me to ask you first? Go ahead. Okay. In 1990, Cousteau's wife of 53 years and mother of their two children, Simone, died of cancer. Just one year later, Cousteau remarried to a woman named Francine with whom he also had two children born in the early 80s while he was still married to Simone. So my question is, why did he name his scuba invention Aqualung after the Jethro Tull album? <laughs> hey, Aqualung. Um, hmm. You bring up some incredibly invalid points and an interesting question, John. I have one, it's just a simple question. Why did he name the scuba invention after the Jethro Tull album. <laughs> this is a chicken and egg situation. <laughs> Greatness knows no bounds. Two things needed to be called Aqualung. It's as simple as that. Fair enough. <laughs> I've got one for you, brother. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I actually took a very similar tech, so we've been doing this too long. <laughs> as a child, I believed Chuck E. Cheese had the greatest pizza and ice cream cake on the planet. Mm. As an adult, I have come to realize that it was hot garbage. Come on. So my question is, why is a rat associated with my pizza at all? <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Uh, there's a little backstory. I'll give you the short version. Chuck, when he was a baby rat, was an orphan. He lived in an orphanage with other uh, uh, orphans. And he was sad because he didn't know his birthday. And he and the other orphans would celebrate birthdays all the time. Eventually, he moved out. Uh, he loved birthdays, but he, he moved out, went to the big city, moved into a, an attic space above a pizzeria. Down below was Pasquale. Pasquale was making pizzas and having families come in there all the time. The mold guy, right? The mold guy. One okay. day, Chuck goes down, ventures down there. He starts talking and singing. That blows Pasquale's mind. They join forces. They come up with the restaurant concept. He's entertaining the uh, guests with his singing and his shows while Pasquale's making delicious pizza. And um, Bob's your uncle. There you go. Now there's Chuck E. Cheese. That's why there's a rat associated with your pizza. 
I don't feel like you answered the spirit of the question, but I suppose uh, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm just interested to know how our judge is feeling about all of these things. It's important to note, by the way, I didn't make any of that up. Facts. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I didn't make any of that up. <laughs> That's the backstory. <laughs> Somebody made all that up. <laughs> the Atari guy. <laughs> the Atari guy. <laughs> As I get sucked deeper into the Chuck E. Cheese universe, I just, I, I feel untethered from <laughs> reality. From reality, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's sort of jarring and disconcerting <laughs> feeling. It's like a weird nightmare hellscape. <laughs> Try spending a week researching this and see how you feel. <laughs> it's so much deeper and darker than I ever, I ever knew. <laughs> it's like a fever dream on the stage. <laughs> And yet so compelling and um, entertaining and rich, which is where we should all be with respect to Mr. Cheese. Uh. Okay. And, and speaking of respect, it's time for us to move on to the most respectful part of the show, which is our last and final event called That's Poetic. We're going to go through that with you, Chad. And then afterwards, we're going to hear from you your decision on which of these two esteemed topics should be the winner. With that, let's dive into event number three. It's called That's Poetic. And That's Poetic, Sarah and I each have to come up with a piece of art, performance piece about our topic. And uh, we do try to use our, our most creative powers to indeed uh, follow the mission statement of this show, which is to create art for the benefit of mankind. Sarah, you need to read the handbook a little more closely. If that's funny to you or new news, uh, I don't know what to tell you. What are we doing here? <laughs> Moving on. Sarah, let's hear your entry into That's Poetic about Jacques Cousteau. Excellent. Uh, well, first, I, I have a visual aid that I'm going to explain to our listeners. I wanted to, to wear a bit of a costume for mine. So uh, give me one second here while I get this on. I feel like I should narrate this. Sarah's putting on some stuff. Okay. It's a pretty simple costume. All right. I've got my, uh, my Jacques Cousteau wool knit cap on to really get in the feeling of this. He was famous for these, uh, small red caps. I only had a white one in my, uh, my closet, but I think you get the idea. Really wanted to get into character here for this round of that's poetic. I am going to be presenting as an homage to Mr. Cousteau's, uh, award-winning documentary films. I'm going to be presenting a documentary narration of Jacques Cousteau's typical morning, a la David Attenborough. So I will be <laughs> doing my best British accent for this. Don't be confused. It's still me. <laughs> Are we ready? We're going to go on a journey. Absolutely ready. Everyone ready for a documentary, nature documentary style? Ready. <clears throat> we see Jacques open his eyes and admire his surroundings. He feels safe here. Snugly, tucked into his captain's quarters above the Calypso research vessel. After popping on his wool-knit cap for both warmth and fashion, he steps into the wild of the decks. He observes the other mammals in the galley. Perhaps he'll enjoy a spot of breakfast. But as he reaches for the bread, disaster strikes. Another competing <laughs> male has snatched the last of the toast. Their eyes meet and a stare down ensues. Whoever breaks eye contact first will surely be the loser in this battle for sustenance and supremacy. Uh oh. Just as the tension builds to a breaking point, the competing male drops his gaze and the toast is surrendered to Jacques. 
Cousteau preens and flaunts as he settles in amiably at the table, a crisis well and goodly averted. Thank you. <laughs> nice job. That was also well and goodly. <laughs> Chad, were you were you moved? Were you transported? See it? <laughs> I could. I, I I felt like I was back in fourth grade watching one of those films. Very good. My work here is done. <laughs> okay, I will attempt to follow that. This is going to be kind of right down the middle of that's poetic, right in the middle of the that's poetic lane, and that's I'm going to do a poem. The title of this poem is Lost and Found, parentheses, in the ball pit. Oh. This is an ode by someone from who Chuck E. Cheese's has taken much, but also given everything in return. So, Lost and Found, parentheses, in the ball pit. I just say when I think of ball pits, I think of like free floating band-aids. Hush, hush. All right, all right. Hush. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to get into the poetic zone. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <clears throat> Tempted by the sounds and the scents of pizza and tokens and dude-sized rodents, I enter a zone run by Charles E. Cheese, in whose contraptions I lose a bit more than my keys. At skee-ball, soon after my tenth losing roll, my pride slipped away down the return hole. In the sky-tubes I climbed a plastic tunnel in space. My soul squeezed out in that tight, crawly place. In whack-a-mole I whacked, hammer-flying with zest, while my heart was stolen by that subterranean pest. To the prize counter I trudged, hoping one's dreams could be bought. But for this, tickets meant nothing, so I had one final shot. In the ball pit at last. Find my true love and more, yes I did. Reclaimed all in the place where a kid can be a kid. All right. Oof. That was emotional for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, you look to... exhausted now. That was that took a lot out of you. It's it was moving, at least for the the performer. So I hope it was for the audience as well. I've, I've never heard whack be like rhymed in a poem before. <laughs> you need to read more poems, Sarah. Obviously. <laughs> Get cultured, okay? It's called culture. Get some. Chad, it really only matters what you think. <laughs> You've heard quite a bit. <laughs> There's a few poems in the men's room. That I <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> That's why you haven't seen them. <laughs> More limericks, I guess, than poems. All right, Chad, you got any reactions to these two um, works of quote unquote art? <laughs> well, I was referring to the bathroom at Chuck E. Cheese last time I went there. Okay, so both of you are very creative. Uh, once again, I've shown your chops in this uh, competition that's going to be close. Well, you got a minute to think about it because we're going to take a break for a second, hear our sponsors, and then we'll come right back. You know when you need something from across the house or even from across the room. You have to get up, get it, and bring it back. 
Well, thanks to Home Hand Delivery, that hassle is a thing of the past. Home Hand is the first service to deliver things that are already in your home. Want a glass of water, the remote, or even that paper you left by the front door? With just two taps on the Home Hand app, a friendly Home Hand associate will bring it to you in moments using patented in-home GPS technology. You can even track your delivery's progress as it travels across your house or apartment. And coming soon, Home Hand is launching Home Holler, the audio assistant that talks to your voice-controlled devices like Alexa for you. So download Home Hand today to truly make your home life as convenient and effort-free as the rest of your life. And thanks to Broth Brothers Fine Furnishings for Men, Broth Brothers offers a full line of luxury, soup-themed accessories for the discerning gentleman, from wallets to shaving products to pocket watches. And Broth Brothers' selection of mouth-watering colognes has scents for every mood and every event, classic chicken noodle or vegetable beef for the professional man, broccoli cheddar or clam chowder, perhaps French onion scent for date night, even jambalaya when it's time to party. So check out Broth Brothers' full line of colognes and other fine furnishings. With Broth Brothers, when it comes to style and presence, the soup is always on. All right, and we're back. Thank you to our sponsors. And more importantly, thank you to our judge who has heard an awful lot from both of us tonight. Your Honor, are you ready to make a decision about all this? I have reached my decision. Excellent. Is this the part where I say my decision? You may. <laughs> we are waiting with bated breath. All right. By the way, what does that mean? Well, we'll talk about it later. Anyway, go ahead. Please, Chad, proceed. Bated breath. I, I don't know. Sounds gross. Speaking of gross, <laughs> let me start by reiterating kind of where we started. Let's take us back to where I started, which was not feeling Chuck E. Cheese. Kind of uh, on the side of Jacques Cousteau, mm. but balanced out by my my relationship with John and my 30-year friendship. Um, so we started at even. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Seems fair. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, I can't pretend to be objective, you know, when it comes to John versus Sarah. Uh, I can be objective. <laughs> Jacques versus Chuck. That's all we ask. I, I feel that that's my obligation and I hope that I've fulfilled it. So given that, all John probably had to do oh, no. to win the show tonight oh, no. Oh, no. would be to bring my, my sort of visceral <laughs> feelings about Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> up like one notch and or bring my opinion of Jacques Cousteau down notch or two almost impossible uh, to do i definitely did both i, I you, you tried and um <laughs> i i appreciate your effort um i was satisfied with both of your answers to my questions i didn't feel like that was i think kind of a wash <laughs> i enjoyed both of your con contributions to the uh, poetry contest <laughs> um that's not what you call it but Fair. It's good enough. That's a good enough title. <laughs> that didn't really help me either because you both did such a good job with that. Damn it. Um, in very different ways. <laughs> so I guess in the end, I just have to go with my gut 
um, which is churning a little bit still <laughs> from some of the uh, detail that came out from John's description mm. uh, ad nauseum, mm-hmm. if you will. I will. Chuck E. Cheese universe. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, I agree with the You made a great choice. I'm so glad. I'm so pleased that you chose my topic. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. So thanks. It was great having you. <laughs> Don't interrupt the man. <laughs> it, it was close, but uh, I, I'm going to have to go with Jacques Cousteau and give the win oh. to Sarah. Yes! <laughs> You've made the right choice, Your Honor. I knew you would. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I can accept defeat in this case. It stings. I got to tell you, it stings. I came in feeling real good about the Chuck E. Cheese universe, all the contributions. Did you hear what you said tonight? I had pages and pages (laughs) of material, only used a fraction out of the respect for everybody else in the show and anyone who might uh, accidentally listen to this. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I don't feel good about myself anymore. Mm Mm-mm. But them's the breaks. So, Sarah, congratulations. Thank you so much. You're a gracious loser, always. But you have a lot of practice. (laughs) If I may say, I think where you went wrong. Oh, no. Was choosing a judge who's older than 11. (laughs) (laughs) That was absolutely the right choice. I feel vindicated. I feel like the spirit of Mr. Cousteau uh, is celebrating and and honestly, just the ocean. So well done. Thank you, Chad. I hate you now. That whole 30-year thing's out the window. Speaking of starting from square one, that's where I guess me and you are at. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> In all seriousness, thanks for doing the show. You were fantastic. Yes, thank you. We do appreciate uh, your judgeship, uh, wrong as it might have turned out to be. It was still a valiant effort at such. So thank you for that. And uh, we'd love to have you do this again if you'd be game. Next season. So by the way, is this like a best out of 14? Like what's the score? Well, actually it's funny. It's funny that you would ask that because as by declaring me the winner, we are now tied at five, five and next, the next one we're doing is our season one finale. Um, So that kind of happened serendipitously, but that's going to be perfect. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good. There you go. Well, yep, we've got that coming up. As Sarah just mentioned, this was episode 10. Episode 11 will be sort of a finale. We've got something cooking that will be a, uh, um, a throwdown of monumental proportions where we decide once and for all the uh, topic and winner between Sarah and I for the entire season. It'll all come down to that. But thank you again, Chad, for being here. We really appreciate it. We'd like to thank our friend Hilberto for our show logo. Thanks to the internet especially on my account for all the research help. It provided a bountiful harvest of facts and entertainment on these two topics. And we look forward to talking to you guys again on the next episode of No Comparison. Thanks for listening to No Comparison. Stay tuned for outtakes from today's episode. No Comparison is produced by John Taylor and Sarah Baggett, and our music is by Kevin McLeod. You can reach us at nocomparisonpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Okay, well, let's see what the student myself is going to get from the RTG. So, all right. Here we go. In three, two, one. I did it wrong. Yep. <laughs> Nothing happened. Try again. <laughs> Let's try clicking the button harder. 
(laughs) (laughs) Click harder. So I like, I don't know about you, John, but I always hide my self view so that I'm not, because I'm vainglorious, you know, stare at myself all the time. And uh, (laughs) whenever, (laughs) whenever I do that, sometimes I'm aware that I'm not on the camera and I'm like, am I doing something weird? Like, you know, like without thinking about it. The answer is yes. Always. <laughs> Usually doing something weird. Always doing something weird with my face. Is it weird for me that I've got the entire view just back of myself? I can't even see you, you guys. It is just me. Is that weird? <laughs> I set that, I set that, that up. That sounds right for you. <laughs> All right, Chad. You kind of, uh, sorry, man, I got to get into this. I'm all thrown off by Chad's awesome story. It took all the funny right out of me. Not that I had any. Excuse John. I had such a low reserve. (laughs) He siphoned the last little bit out. Um, It's together, man. (laughs) Yeah. What's going on? I'm not even reading the words right. Like I'm staring at the screen and it's all blurry. (laughs) Is that that normal? Are you having a stroke? (laughs) I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Lawyer, damn it. Not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) We all love decaf coffee for its flip. Nope. Great job. You're such a pro. Thanks. You recovered quickly. <laughs> I tried to combine problem. flavor and aroma into one word. Floroma. That was going to turn into cat box for a second. I'm like, oh no. We'll wrap up this part of the show. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds Dad, good. You all right with that? It's fine with me. Okay. He has heard enough. He can make an informed decision based on these answers. <laughs> Who the hell is Chuck Connors? I can't believe you <laughs> hit me with great white. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> Is he a great white supremacist? I had some answers. So I was like, Mm-mm. yeah, yeah he, he, there's no good answer. <laughs> no, there's there's one good answer, and that's no. No, I said no. <laughs> I have a friend, by the way. Uh, hey, don't. Yeah, let's call him Russell to protect the innocent. That used to work at Chuck E. Cheese, mm-hmm. and Russell was six five, six six, easy. People wow. would confuse him with a guy who played basketball professionally. He was that big. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked at Chuck E. Cheese while he was in college. And, and they thought he was a professional basketball player. He <laughs> had uh, <laughs> working at Chuck E. Cheese part time. He had some shifts that were boring. There weren't a lot of people around. And one of his colleagues, of course, got in the Chuck E. suit. And the Chuck E. suit is designed for like somebody who's 5'2 or something. And uh, Russell thought it'd be hilarious to put on the Chucky suit himself and run around the restaurant a couple times because, as you can imagine, the suit only covered up to like his elbows and his knees. And so you had these hairy dude arms and calves and, you know, revealed he thought that was hilarious. However, somehow that got word got back to the supervisor, not so hilarious to them. And they um, they they sentenced uh, Russell to some hard time at Chuck E. Cheese. They gave him the worst jobs. They made him go clean the inside of the sky tube, which occasionally Ugh. a kid would have an accident in the sky tube. Ugh. Very hard to get in there with the mop and bleach. There was dripping out of the seams of the sky tube. Anyway, oh. he would deal with that. He'd have to clean the ball pit, which they did on a regular basis, several times a day. He had to like <laughs> remove the balls, soak them in bleach, do some, you know, erect some sort of um, EPA uh, yellow tape situation around the ball pit, and that was Russell's uh, punishment. Again, his name isn't really Russell, but Ugh. that's. He he actually did that, yeah. That is horrifying, but not the most horrifying thing I've heard from you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> With Broth Brothers, when it comes to style and presence, the soup is always on. 
Okie doke. Sarah, you want to bring us back in? Sure. I like how vegetable beef is for the professional man for some reason. Well, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll explain the obvious to you later. Okay. I don't want to burn Chad's time up on that. <laughs>